You're listening to the Ghost Goal Podcast. Gerard with space, pumped it towards Barosh. He's been tipped through it. The goalkeeper made contact. Luis Garcia was in front of the line. Gas hooked it away. Goal! The first goal of the semi final is a Liverpool goal. And it's come down to Drogba, who this time is the fifth penalty taker for Chelsea in the final shootout. Welcome to season three of the Ghost Goal Podcast. As always, I'm Andrew Pissarro, in here with the one and the only Alex Moss. What up? How we How we doing, buddy? We're good. World Cup footballers get three weeks off after the tournament's ended. We uh, decided to take two. Yeah, I really needed the two weeks, um, mainly to deal with my depression. And by deal with my depression, I mean pretty much alcoholism. Turned alcoholism, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I mean... Like, all right, I, I just put it up on my Instagram story, and I tagged I tagged the podcast. Uh, here Here's the tall can of, of Pabst Blue Ribbon that I'll be consuming while while recording this podcast. With Andrew as my witness, I, uh, I had previously opened my third Sierra Nevada IPA. So. There we go. A, a happy National IPA Day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very much in celebration of the holiday. Uh, let's let's get to where we we've got to do. Uh, let's talk about the football. Where you can, you can catch our latest opinions though on Twitter at Andrew Passaro at asmos ninety two at Ghost Goal Pod. Lots lots going on in this summer. Uh, we're gonna go in alphabetical order for clubs. So if you're a West Ham fan, I'm sorry. <laughs> Skip we to have the end. a we, we have a lot to talk about because I think your team has done the most business this summer. Uh, we're gonna try to keep this episode fairly quick, but there's gonna be teams we expand upon more. If you want us to expand more upon our club, yell at us on Twitter and we'll send you something. It might just be a gif of us flicking you off. It might be more content. Only one way to find out. Let's start with Arsenal, who signed Stefan Licksteiner from Juventus, a right back on a free. They brought in Burned Leno from Bayer Leverkusen, a goalie for £25 million. Socrates Socra- Paspatopoulos. Oh, wow. That five, five times fast. Papastatopoulos. 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 There we go. Uh, center back from Dortmund, $16 million. Uh, Lucas Torreira, who I'm very excited about from Sampdoria, central midfielder for £30 million. And Matteo, I'm going to fuck this last name up so hard, Gwendozzi. Gwendozzi. A central midfielder from Lorient for £8 million. Leaving Arsenal, Per Mertesacker has retired. Santi Cazorla was released. I believe he's returned to his former club, Villarreal. And Jack Wilshire left uh, for West Ham on a free. Alex. How do you feel about Unai Emery's first summer in charge at the Emirates? It, it feels like the what Arsenal fans would have wanted from the manager that follows Arsene Wenger for summers or for transfer windows going back to like ten years ago. People have always complained about like the same thing of where's the defensive midfielder. Now you've gotten two young prospects at that sort of position sitting right in front of the defense that bring a lot of the things that people. Uh, still want to see from Arsenal in like uh, ability on the ball and able to spray passes and go forward and help an attack. But they're far better defensive midfield players than Arsenal have had in definitely the last 10 years. Gwendouzi, I what little I've seen of him against uh, Chelsea the other day in their 
preseason game, he's one of the busiest players on the field. And that's something that people, that's another aspect of the late Wenger era at Arsenal that people weren't happy about with the players. They weren't really active enough trying to push and press and get the ball back high up the field. Sometimes they just look lackadaisical. So it looks like they've brought in a nice mix of those active, busy players and players with a good amount of experience to help get them back up into the top four, which you'd have to say is definitely their their uh, their goal for the year. I think they made some smart business. You look at a lot of these guys and you look at the prices that they paid, and they got them for great prices. Uh, Leno has a lot of poss- has a lot of good potential. He's been a part of a uh, Leverkusen teams that have gone into the Champions League. He's been one of the top rated goalies in the Bundesliga before. I think he's an upgrade over Czech in his in his age. Socrates, I'm a little skeptical on. I'm not going to lie. They needed they needed someone to replace Koscielny because Koscielny is going to be out for about like four or five months of the season. I, and I agree with that. Um, I just don't think he's in the elite class of of uh, of center back. I think he's good. I think he's to some of the guys that they have an improvement. But I don't think he's necessarily in the he's going to help us win the league class. Now, Torreira, I think for $30 million is actually a steal. I think this kid is going to be picking teams apart in the Premier League. He works hard. He's got a great eye for a pass. I think he's exactly what a team like Arsenal needs. And I, he was one of those players that was like, shit, that, that's a really good one. Uh, but going, actually, going back to Socrates, look at how many former Dortmund players over the last couple years have ended up at Arsenal. I mean, yeah, you got Mick Ritarian. Sven connection. Obama Yang. And, and I'll say this. If it wasn't working at Borussia Dortmund, is it really going to work in the Premier League? Well, I agree with you from the standpoint that this Arsenal team isn't going to win the league anytime soon. Like, you, you'd have to build off of this, whatever this team sort of morphs into. We're not even really sure what the first team lineup is going to be week one or in the middle of the season. So there's a long ways to go uh, in terms of how we think this Arsenal team ends up. But I think with these signings, top four is definitely attainable. I don't think it's a shoe in, but if Emery's able to put it together and at least like stem the tide of how bad they were defensively last season, they'll definitely be in the top four like consideration at least, you know? I think it's obtainable, but I don't think it's obtainable necessarily because of Arsenal's business. I think it might be obtainable because of other teams' lack of business, which is why I ask you, on a on a grading scale of A through F, how do you rate this transfer window for Arsenal? I'm going to say A-. minus. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm notoriously friendly with my uh, grades, though, so take that with a pinch of salt. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's a solid B grade. I think that they've improved. They brought in some veterans. They brought in some youngsters to build around. Uh, signings that impressed me, but didn't like be like, oh shit, I'm worried about this team. But I think improvements nonetheless. And I think they moved on from three players that had no business being had no business being on their payroll anymore in Murdersacker, Kazorla, and Wilshire. So I think moving on from those three, I think, was a smart move. And they could move on from more still. There's Awobi's future is still in uh, in rumors, but there, there's talk that he's about to sign a new contract. Let's move to AFC Bournemouth, who bring in David Brooks from Sheffield United, a center-attacking midfield, for $11.3 million. And then they brought in Diego Rique from Leganes, a left-back, for $12 million. Uh, out, they sold Benek Afobe 
to Wolves, which is where they initially bought him from for eleven million. <laughs> and then Wolves uh, sold him to Stoke for like thirteen million. Just want right. to add that. All right, we'll get to it. Uh, I got to wait for the W's. They they sold Max Gradle to Toulouse for two million. He was a left winger. Adam uh, Federic left for Stoke. He was a goalkeeper, and Lewis Graben, a striker, left for Nottingham Forest for seven million pounds. It's surprising to me. Actually, it really isn't, but seven million pounds is buying a striker from the Premier League for the Championship. It is just wild to see that money grow up in England more and more. Uh, what what do you think about the summer for the Cherries? Kind of feels like they're treading water. Uh, there's rumors that have just come out recently that one of their best young midfielders, uh, Lewis Cook, is uh, about to be, or is rumored to be uh, sold to Tottenham for like thirty million. I always kind of compared him to like a Jack Wilshire uh, clone. I think he's something like twenty or twenty-one, and, uh, and he really got into the first team at, at Bournemouth and helped sort of like stabilize that classic Eddie Howe uh, playing style mid-season for them. So losing him would be a big, a big hit. But I think a lot of people in England are really excited about this David Brooks kid from uh, Sheffield. Uh, I, I don't know too much about him either. I can't claim to watch uh, many games in, in the championship every season, apart from when there's like a Chelsea Loney involved. But, right, because uh, there's only one Chelsea Loney off in, off in the championship. There's <laughs> only one. There's only one. There's a good few. You can watch a lot of games in the championship just watching uh, Premier League uh, or Chelsea loanies. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you'd say Eddie, Eddie Howe's business has been kind of hit or miss the last couple seasons. He's gone for, like, big uh, big transfers last summer with uh, Nathan Ake and uh, Asmir Begovic, and they were kind of kind of mixed seasons. So it kind of feels like the, the board at, at Bournemouth is just sort of saying, okay, you've got your players from last year. We'll maybe add one or two pieces sell off some of the players that you weren't really considering for the first team anyway, and uh, just sort of try to develop what we've got there. So who knows that sometimes that leads to uh, your rivals catching up to you and getting sucked back into a relegation uh, race. But I think Eddie Howe's got, he's bought at least enough uh, goodwill that he should be able to keep them up again with this squad. I'll give you, I think he keeps them up, but I'm going to give him a C for a grade. I'm excited to see this Brooks kid and see what Rico can do in an Eddie Howe system, but nothing that really gives me confidence about Bournemouth, and that's why I'm going to stick with a C. I'm going to say C+. Brighton and Hove Albion have several signings, a couple of which I really like. Leon Balloon... Balloon... Balogun. Leon Leon Balogun. Yes, from my from Mainz, a center back who they got on a free. Uh, Florin Adone from Deportivo, a strike uh, Depove, Deportivo La Coruña. A Man, for a guy with a soccer podcast, you really struggle yeah. with soccer team names you know and what? player names. You know what? It's the preseason for them. It's the preseason for me too. Okay? <laughs> we're working out the uh, we're working we're, out the rust. Working out. Also, also, it's only a recent trend that we started drinking and doing this podcast. So. Yeah. Uh, Wait till the end of this. Uh, the transfers in. Oh yeah, <laughs> you got a hell of a last name coming up. I know. I'm not, I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, they brought that striker from Deportivo for six million. Bernardo Fernandez da Silva Jr. Uh, I think he just from, goes by Bernardo, Bern- the left yeah. back from RB Leipzig. Exactly, ten million. Eves uh, Bissuma from Lille, a central midfielder. They brought in for seventeen million pounds. And Alareza Al- Al- Yakanbash. I'm nope. gonna just. Yeah. Ali Reza Chahan Bakash. 
Jahan Bakash. I, sl- I tripped over that one during our World Cup previews. Oh, I remember. He I was, remember. Uh, he was Iran's best player. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a right winger, again, Iranian for 19 million pounds. He's coming from the Dutch league with Azed Alkmaar. Uh I think they had. I think no notable absent or no notable sales from Brighton, which I think is big. There were a couple players that we were really impressed with last year. Uh, I think keeping all the main squad that they had last year and adding all these pieces is only going to make Brighton uh, a better team. I think that this is going to be a team that breaks the top ten in the eighteen nineteen season. By top ten, they could be tenth, but that's still breaking the top ten. Um, I'm gonna go and. And you know what? Before I give them a grade, I'm going to let Alex, Alex break it down a little bit for me. No, I mean, I, I, won't, I would definitely agree with the sentiment that it's impressive that they didn't lose any notable players. But when you think about it, there aren't really any players from that team that impressed so much that you would have like expected them to go on to another club. Like I maybe like Jose Izquierdo or Pascal Gross or someone like that. But they Izquierdo were good. Izquierdo was the one I, would, I, would, I was thinking of more. Yeah. It depended on what happened with guys. I mean, it wouldn't be shocking to me at this point to see Watford come in and throw some of the Richarlison money towards that or to see uh, maybe even like West Ham had they not gotten uh, the winger from Lazio, who we'll talk about a little later, and maybe throw it at Izquierdo and see if that they can get that to stick. Um, I, th- I think he was the number one player for me to – that they had to keep, and obviously he's still there. Um, but I think the pieces that they just added are all solid and, for the most part, young players who are going to come and want to perform in the Premier League. Um, and they know that they're not at a top-tier level, but they know that if they have success at Brighton that they can move to one of those top-tier clubs. So I think right. I look at I look a lot of these players, and, and while probably the only one I've watched with any level of consistency is Bernardo, uh, I look at just I look at this group of players and I say I think this is a good a good chunk of players. Yeah, the, the player I want to highlight, I guess two notably are Eve Basuma, the center midfielder you mentioned from Lille. They beat a lot of fairly reputable clubs from around Europe uh, to get his signature, and he's so, someone that kind of adds a little bite to their midfield where they were starting the likes of. Davy proper, uh, like in deep midfield areas, and they kind of you felt them. They got we felt like they got beat out of midfield sometimes. They were able to like keep hold of the ball a lot, but when it came to winning it back consistently off of t- very good teams in possession, sometimes they like struggled for a little bit longer than you like. Um, so they get this young twenty-one year old uh, midfielder. I think he's from Senegal or uh, Mali or somewhere. Um, He's like you know he he was I think Valencia were in for him. There were a lot of very very notable uh, clubs around Europe that were impressed with him. So you solve their midfield in 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 essence, and then another player they bought Florian Andone from Deportivo. They needed to get someone a goal scorer in basically. I don't think he's really cut out for the job. But I guess he's just an, it's another chance to make up for the goals that you're going to inevitably be missing from Glenn Murray this season because Glenn Murray's not scoring another 13 goals in the league for you. That's not happening. That was a a fluke for sure. So you're relying on Andone, maybe some other uh, uh, Tomer Hamed, their other their Israeli striker they have to sort of make up for those goals. And then Ali Reza Jahanbakash, the right winger, 
scored 24 something goals in the Dutch league last year. So they're definitely going to be relying very heavily on their wingers to create a lot of goal scoring opportunities. So I would give them, I would say a B, B plus for uh, Brighton. I'm right there. I'm right yeah. there with you. B plus, B plus for grade for Brighton. Uh, we'll jump down to Burnley who have not made any significant signings, uh, which is surprising to me. Um, Burnley playing in the Europa League this year, which a lot of extra games. They got to play on Thursday. That's good for the quote unquote Burnley brand. But uh, this squad is not thick enough to be able to participate on two fronts for a consistent period and not make any signings. They did let Scott Arfield go off to Rangers on a free, but he was I a fringe would, player. Right, exactly. Wasn't a consistent player. Um, if I had to make a guess right now, Sean Dyche is full-on punting on the Europa League, which I think is disappointing. Yeah. Uh, I think it just doesn't bode well. It doesn't look good for, for teams in the Premier League. Um, I, I, I'm not going to sit here on, on my high horse, my, my my EPL high horse, and tell you that Burnley could have won the won the Europa League. No, far no from one's that. saying that. <laughs> but uh, this is an F. This is a straight F for Burnley. Uh, yes, they didn't lose James Tarkowski. They didn't lose any. Uh, they didn't lose their goalkeepers. But this is unacceptable. Like they they finished seventh, but we saw what happened last year with the team that finished in seventh two years ago. West Brom got relegated. If you're not making signings in the Premier League, you're not you're not progressing in the Premier League. I, I get that. All I'll say is that for a club of Burnley's size. It was kind of surprising to people over the last year or so when they first uh, secured their place in the Premier League at the end of two seasons ago. They went out, and since then they've they've brought in a ton of players, and like the the quality of those players is kind of questionable. Like you think of like like Ashley Westwood is like a midfielder from Aston Villa they brought in who's not particularly a good like player, but he runs around a lot, and he, he's a player that Sean Dykes knows he can put out there in center midfield to help implement like a defensive system that he plays. So I, I, I don't think they'll have any really bad performances in, in the Europa league. You still have to see who they'll draw in their group there. I think, I think they might even have one more round of a knockout to get right. through. Cause they just knocked out. Um, who was it? One of the Scottish teams, Aberdeen or someone like that. Um, so if they get in, I think you'll see them play their quote unquote B squad, but I think due to the, the whole team's so well drilled in their defensive style of play that they'll be hard to break down and they won't they won't get absolutely trounced in, in those in those games. They won't be Everton, is what you're saying. Which is I'll, I'll give them I'll give them a D. Yeah, they won't be Everton. <laughs> in life, generally avoid being Everton. Uh Cardiff City, uh newcomer to the Premier League, one of the promoted teams, has signed John Murphy from Norwich, a left winger, Greg Cunningham from Preston, a left back for four million pounds, Alex Smithies from QPR, a goalkeeper for four million and Bobby Reed from Bristol City, uh, a central attacking midfielder for $11 million. Uh, no notable sales. And one other thing I will say about Cardiff is they're pushing heavily to try to get Marco Grujic back from Liverpool on loan for a second year, the Serbian midfielder, who was a part of Serbia's World Cup roster. Uh, I look at this Cardiff, Cardiff, these Cardiff signings, and I don't recognize any of them again because I'm watching because they're all championship players. I recognize and, one. <laughs> and and that's my concern is that I look at this and I say if you're a team in the Premier League, you should be signing teams from 
maybe some, maybe at minimum, some of the teams that just got knocked out of the Premier League. I know that there are good players in the Championship, but uh, it's hard to make some, that jump up. It is hard, and it is hard to make that jump up. But um, you know, we saw Bristol City go on one of those runs last year in one of the cups. Maybe Bobby Reed can continue to take that form to Cardiff, but. You know, last time we saw Cardiff come up, they got sent right back down, and this business doesn't give me a lot of hope in in what they have. How, how do you feel about it? Overall, pretty much agree. Um, the Josh Murphy signing from uh, Norwich, that is an interesting one. I think a lot of people will recognize uh, his twin brother, Jacob Murphy, at Newcastle, who was like a new signing for them last year. Those are two players in like their early twenties that have been like very impressive in the championship, and people are kind of expecting them now that like they're they've been full professionals for two or three years. They're kind of expecting them to make that next step up. Uh, they can play out on the wing, up front, set in the central uh, midfield areas. They're they're pretty diverse players, but these just look like names that uh, Neil Warnock, Cardiff's coach, is just he just knows he's going to be able to drill them into Cardiff City's very defensive, low-block kind of style that they're going to be utilizing in a lot of these games. So um, I didn't think they were going to be able to uh, do enough to stay up before. These signings don't really change my mind on that. I'm going to give them a F. <laughs> I was going to give them a C, but wow. I respect I respect the energy. I respect the energy. Let's talk about the, the, uh, the boys from London. Alex's favorite team in the world. Favorite team in the world. Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, Chelsea Football Club have brought in Alex's favorite central midfielder, Jorginho, from Napoli, along with new coach Maurizio Sarri. That was a £57 million signing. They brought in Robert Green, the goalie, on a free, uh, leaving the club so far. I mean, there'll be a flurry of loans. I mean, there's there's already more loans than this, but I just didn't care to include them. Right, the notable ones is Kennedy's returning to Newcastle again on loan, and Mason Mount is off at Dar- is at Derby County. Uh, I know you're excited about Jorginho, but I think another notable thing we need to mention when it comes to Chelsea in terms of the transfer market is that Eden Hazard and Thibaut Courtois haven't left. And I'm not going to sit here and say that that's a new signing, but with everything that went on at Real Madrid and everything that went on at the World Cup, and Hazard's comments about the club knows what they want need to do to keep me. Uh, keeping Hazard and Courtois is huge. But Alex, how do you feel so far about the summer for the Blues? Well, if you were going into the summer and you were one of the Chelsea fans who uh, kind of treated it as a foregone conclusion that Antonio Conte would be sacked and Maurizio Sarri would be hired, then... The one player you would have asked that Chelsea could have brought in to help ease the transition from a very defensive uh, Antonio Conte, albeit an Italian style, uh, from that to a more progressive, attacking, possession-based Italian style, Maurizio Sarri, you would have asked for Chelsea to bring in Jorginho. Because if you asked anyone who watched Napoli consistently, he was... um, he was sort of the conductor that put let that orchestra work at the high level that it eventually ended up at. Three years ago, when Maurizio Sarri arrived at Napoli, he was a, a fringe player. He was 21 or 22 years old. He uh, was looking for a move away from Napoli because he had the likes of like Walter Gargano and, uh, 
and obviously Marek Hamšík and plenty of other uh, very talented players in front of him. But Maurizio Sarri saw in him a possession, a very good and solid in possession player, a player with an eye for a pass that he would be able to implement his quick vertical passing style uh, to a, a, a league that overall doesn't really uh, function like that. They're usually much more possession based and, and patient with its passing. Sorry is on the cutting edge of, in Italy in terms of he wants his teams to get the ball, get the ball uh, or win the ball back, get the ball to someone like Jorginho deep in midfield, have him look up and play a ball forward for one of the, the attackers in behind or two feet. And Jorginho is the perfect player for that, or he's developed him into that perfect player. So I think overall, if you asked for one signing, he would be it. Uh, we'll see who else they get, because I don't think Chelsea are going to sit idly by and let the transfer window pass without making one or two more signings. I think it's just a matter of not falling into the trap of recent transfer windows, of taking bargains for the sake of bargains, uh, or just getting players for the sake of having having transfers. Like Danny Drinkwater, that's not going to work out. And, you know, a lot of people would say the same, but like Ross Barkley wasn't really Chelsea level, but he's probably going to get a chance this season. So there, there's been a lot of signings recently, so I guess it's not too surprising overall that they haven't made a ton at this point. Yeah, I, I would be concerned. Um, but again, I look at what Chelsea did, and I think Jorginho can help the pieces that are here. I'm interested to see with what happens with, if Batchwag gets a chance. Under Sari, I'm interested to see who's... like. It's just weird with the fact that the deadline now closes when the season starts. And I'm really surprised there hasn't been more business, and Chelsea's one of those clubs. Um in terms of a grade, I'm going to give them a B, and that's because they've retained Hazard. Um, I don't think Real Madrid is coming calling for Hazard anytime soon. And you did I. Think, I think I, I think that now I didn't think that before. I definitely thought they would have would have come calling already, and the fact that they haven't shows that they that they probably aren't. Uh, Alex, grade wise, what do you give your boys? Um, I'll give them a. C plus. I think there's going to be one or two more signings, either in the uh, midfield area or out wide. Uh, I think you need them in both, but I think Jorginho is a huge upgrade, and we'll see well, what happens. You're going to hear about it on the preview pods, but there's a certain 17-year-old that's lighting it up on the wing for Chelsea that may actually get his chance this season. I mean... Europa League Thursdays. Exactly. Callum Hudson-Odoi, baby. It's, it's time. Basically, Europa League is going to be the eight, the eighteen plus, the uh, eighteen and up night at the club for Chelsea. Is what is what? Oh no, we've got plenty of like young twenty two. It's going to be the Bakayoko night at Chelsea. Watch <laughs> how many bad mistakes Bakayoko can can make trying to implement Sarri's system. <laughs> uh, Crystal Palace, another team from London, signed uh, Vint- Vincent Guyata. From Getafe and a free, uh, Jake Kuate from West Ham, the center defensive midfielder slash center back for 10 million pounds. Max Meyer came and he was signed today from Schalke, central midfielder, attacking midfielder. Kids only 21 on a free. Uh, and Danny Ings heavily linked from Liverpool to Palace on a 24 million pound deal. Liverpool just dumping old strikers at Crystal Palace. Uh, Diego Cavalieri released. Damian Delaney released. Lee Chung Young released. And Johan Kebai left for Al Nasser for free. Uh, 
I love the Meyer signing. I think it's a great signing by Palace. I think he is a player who was unsettled at Schalke. I'm shocked that he ends up here. He was linked to clubs like Arsenal and and top-tier teams in, in Italy for a long time. If you can find his head, he can be a great little player for Crystal Palace. I think Kuyate is another body in the midfield that they needed. Um, I'm interested to – I be the, the rumored number is – 24 million pounds for Danny Ings, which would be almost like a like doubling the initial purchase from Burnley for Liverpool, which if we get 24 million pounds, we're pretty much stealing. The guy hasn't been able to be healthy since he last played for Burnley. Uh, but I think this is, for the most part, solid business from Crystal Palace. They upgraded in a couple positions, added some depth. I think that these signings keep them in the Premier League, which for Crystal Palace is what they're striving for right now. Yeah, you'd think they would have maybe sold a few more players than they uh, than they did, but I guess they they might be afraid of having another uh, injury crisis like they did last season, so they'd rather hold on to some of those players. Um, but yeah, I guess the Danny Ings, like the number on that Danny Ings signing, is so high because they ended up not having to pay a fee for uh, Max Meyer. Though I'm sure they're going to be making up for that in uh, signing like a signing bonus and with his wages. Uh, so eighty thousand pounds is what I'm hearing. By the way, that's not much. That's pretty good. I, I there. I thought there were a lot of teams, or at least it was rumored to be that there were a lot of teams around Europe who sort of like balked at the the idea of what he was demanding, uh, even as like a free a free agent. So for them to get him on eighty thousand pounds, that's really impressive. That must be a pretty big signing bonus attached to that. Um, but yeah, this is. I think it's a safe window from Crystal Palace. Overall, I think they're just happy to most likely be holding on to Wilfred Saha, though you never know who's going to come in at the last minute. But he's really the X factor that will help link whatever's going on defensively for Roy Hogson's side to the attack and successfully having some sort of goal output. Let's jump. Uh, Grade-wise, I'm going to go B+. Uh, I'm going to go B. Everton signed Richarlison. From Watford, the left winger forward for forty million pounds, they signed Lucas Digne, who has "I Never Walk Alone" tattooed across his chest <laughs> at left back for twenty million pounds. They let Joel Robles leave on a free to Real Betis. Ramiro Funes More left for Villarreal for nine million pounds. Wayne Rooney left for DC United on a free. Uh, yeah, go DC United, right? <laughs> Fuck Wayne Rooney. Uh, by the way, I tweeted about it. Uh, my MLS fanship is for sale with Wayne Rooney's current membership on the DC United. So if you want to send me a scarf, I'll hang it on my wall. If you want to bring me to a, uh, to, a to an MLS match, I will go. Uh, I am for sale in terms of MLS fanship. I'm not going to watch that many games, but when I do, I might watch your club. So if that interests you... Hit me in the DMs at Andrew Pissarro on Twitter. Hashtag uh, save the crew. <laughs> hashtag save the crew. Uh, Henry Onukeru left for Galatasaray and alone. Davy Claussen was sold to Werder Bremen for $13 million. That one really annoyed me because I thought Davy Claussen could have been something. Um, and I feel like Werder Bremen might actually get something out of him. But classic Everton being so did, Everton. So did Ronald Koeman. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... Ronald Coleman going to Coleman. He can call uh, him up for the national team, I guess, now. Yeah, he definitely can. He probably will, honestly. Uh, I like the Richarlison signing. They definitely overpaid. but <laughs> They definitely overpaid. Of course they overpaid. But he returns to working with Marco Silva, 
which I think is good for him. Um, I don't think he's going to be asked to be the guy on day one, which I think is good for him. Uh, and additionally, I mean, they're going to have Belassi back. They still have Theo Walcott. Uh, I think Richarlison can do something for this team, assuming he recaptures the form that we saw him have at the beginning of the Premier League last year. We do have to remember the kid's only like 21. So we have to give the kid a little bit of time to grow up before we be totally critical. Lucas Dinier, this is the size of a club for him. He didn't belong at Barcelona. He shouldn't. I mean, he wasn't going to start consistently at Barcelona. How about that? Right. But this is the level of club. I think it's the right time to start thinking about, uh, moving. I mean, not moving on from Leighton Baines, but, but starting to have the next option and starting to phase him out is the uh, political term. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not really always political on this podcast. Actually, we're never political on this podcast, but, uh, I think this is okay business from Everton. Uh, you would expect one more major signing, one more major piece. But they'll be able to put out a better squad with those two players in it. I still look at Everton as, as a team that, compared to the other teams, and attempting the challenge for the top six, they don't have the quality. But I, I kind of worry about them at center back. Like, yeah. Are they also loaned out? Loan? Yeah, they loaned out Ashley Williams today. Yeah, uh, yeah he's gone. Ju- who joined Stoke in the... It's, it's Will Keane and Phil Jagielka and who else? You, if you're available? <laughs> I'm not available. <laughs> I can maybe come on for a five-minute cameo at the end of the game. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm just... I worry for them defensively. Uh, like you said, I mean, about Rick Charleston, uh, his time under Marco Silva coincided with his best form of last season for Watford as soon as Javi Gracia... Uh, stepped in, uh, his performances dropped off. He didn't score or have an assist for like pretty much the whole second half of the season. So he, you'd like to think, if you're an Everton fan, that uh, Richarlison's going to get right back to where he was under uh, Marco Silva, especially with the likes of Kilfi Sigurdsson at the number 10, Cenk Tassoon up top, and either Walcott or Balassi on the other wing. That's a, that's a pretty potent attacking force if they can sort of uh, gel quickly right off the bat. Grade. I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say B. I said B minus, but that's fair. Let's go to Fulham. Chelsea's major rivals return to the Premier League, and whoa, frankly, whoa, whoa. go easy there. Go easy there with the rivals talk. That's uh, like saying Everton are your major rivals. <laughs> that's fair. That's At least fair. Everton have won the league title. <laughs> all right, all right. Come Welcome down. to the Thunderdome, Fulham. I'm not going easy on you this season. <laughs> Yeah, for a team that's not your rivals, you're you're really having a Maryland Duke moment with this. Uh, but I like their business quite a lot. Quite a lot. Jean-Michael Sarri, the central midfielder, comes in from Nice. Last year was linked to Barcelona. This year ends up at Fulham, yep. 30 million pounds. It's funny how life comes at you, man. Yep. Uh, Maxime Lamarchand from Nice, a center back, also comes in 4 million pounds. Fabricio Augusto Ramirez from Besiktas for six million pounds. Andre Sherla returns to the Premier League on a two-year loan from Borussia Dortmund. Alfie Mawson from San- from Swansea City leaves the championship, comes back to the Premier League for sixteen million pounds. And Alexander Mitrovic, the striker from Newcastle, comes down to Fulham full time for twenty million pounds. He spent the second half of the season at Fulham last year as they got out of the championship. Ryan Fredericks, a right back 
from uh, leaves them for West Ham on a free. The only reason I know Ryan Fredericks is because for a brief moment in the past year, I played with Fulham in career mode in FIFA because Shea Ojo was there. That being said, I'm going to come out and say it. I'm Fulham's getting an A. Fulham is absolutely getting an A. All of these pieces are place, players that th- that can potentially keep them in the Premier League. I think I know Sarri had an off year with Nice last year, but I feel like he's still going to be a player who can manip- who can who can work in the Premier League. I love the shirtless signing. He can play across the front three for them. Alexander Mitrovic already knows the offense, already knows how they're going to play, and has banged goals for Fulham before, and he knows somewhat how to play in the Premier League. He hasn't always been great at it, but I think he can be good enough for Fulham. It's kind of a, it's kind of of a divisive opinion, but I feel like getting Mitrovic, uh, especially like getting him so late, is absolutely the most important signing of the summer for uh, Fulham. Because as as surprising as it was that they got Sean Michael Sarri, because he was he was rumored with Chelsea, people were thinking about him coming in being a partner for Jorginho and Kante at Chelsea. Um, and that would have been a really great signing. And they talked about plenty of other clubs, as you mentioned, Barcelona last year. That was a very surprising signing and definitely one that will really boost their hopes of uh, of staying up. But I think getting your goal scorer, getting your guy that I think it's fair to say uh, the, with Fulham's style of play, Mitrovic, he should guarantee you at least like 12 goals like at worst. He's, he's a pure goal scorer. He needs players to set up and create and do all the hard work for him. But... To build off of the the team they had last season that already plays a very attacking style with uh, Ryan Sessegnon and uh, Tom Kearney, very busy attacking players. To add th- this list of players to it, it's uh, it's pretty impressive by them. I think maybe would have wanted one more uh, defensive presence in midfield uh, just to sort of help uh, lock down on the counterattacks. I think Sari, even though he he kind of... A lot of people mistake him for a defensive midfielder. He is more of like a box-to-box slash attacking midfielder. He's like a Nabi Keita, I think, in that in that regard. He just has that ability to tackle and work hard defensively. I think they might have wanted one more defensive player, but I think off the current list, you have to give them, I'm going to say, an A-. minus. Yeah, I'm going A, um, but I stand by that. I think these are the signs that keep them up. Let's go to Huddersfield Town. Ben Hammer from Leicester City, a goalkeeper, joins for free. Terrence Congolo from Monaco, the center back slash left back for 20 million pounds. Uh, Ramadan Solbi from Stoke, a left winger for six and a half million pounds. Juninho Bocuno from Grongen for two and a half million pounds. Jonathan Lossel from Mines, a goalkeeper for 2.5 million pounds. They made his deal uh, permanent. He was on loan, obviously, starting for them last season. Eric Doom, the Borussia Dortmund, right back, left back, joins on a free. And uh, Adma Diakabe from Monaco, the forward, joins on 10 million pounds. And Florent... Hadoujanai. Hadoujanai. He he was another player that was on loan last year from Ingolstadt, and they made his deal permanent. So Uh, a little bit of sort of retaining a lot of the players that helped them stay up last season. And then adding a couple of pretty interesting uh, prospects, let's just say. Diakabe from Monaco. He's like a center forward. He can also play out in the wings, like big, powerful. Think like Yaya Sonogo, but a little bit better. <laughs> um, he's someone that I think they're they, they're taking a punt on, and it's kind of a risk. So is uh, Ramadan Sopi, who we've obviously seen a lot of at Stoke the last season or two. Uh, but then there's some pretty high level. Uh, I know you're a fan of uh, Terence Congolo, right? 
He's a yes. big he's a big FIFA guy. <laughs> great uh great guy to sign when he's young, like two or three seasons ago in FIFA, and he just turns into a very nice athletic left back. Um in reality, I don't think he really fit into that Monaco team for the half season that he was really playing there. Uh, Jorge, the Brazilian left back, had that position locked down. So he's come over to Huddersfield and, you know, he's not like scoring goals off set pieces or anything. But I think he's a pretty valuable player to them. And the price tag shows he was $20 million or something. So uh, yeah, overall, I think it's, it's good. Um, I'm going to give them a B, I think. Yeah, I think that's about where they they deserve. They, I mean, they sold Tom Ince for ten million. I, I don't think you're missing anything with that. Uh, but I, I look at this and it's like these are players who are going to compete and push the rest of the squad. And for Huddersfield, I feel like they need that couple of quality guys. They're they're worrying about goals. I think with yeah. uh, they're relying on Moutier and Depoitre again up top to give them Which goals. Is a little concerning, but yeah. You might, you might have wanted to go out and get someone who's more of a proven goal scorer. Like maybe they should have been in for like Danny Ings or someone like that. I'm surprised they didn't get Danny Ward, but we'll talk about him in a moment when we talk about Leicester City. Ricardo Pereira, the right back from uh, from Porto, joins Leicester for $22 million. Uh, another Portuguese player who joins them. Uh, Johnny Evans, they snag him from West Brom for £4 million. James Madison, the attacking midfielder slash forward, joins up from Norwich for £25 million, was heavily linked to Liverpool all offseason because he's close friends with Trent Alexander-Arnold. And Danny Ward, speaking of Liverpool, leaves Liverpool for £14 million. They released Robert Huth. Uh, ben Hammer obviously went to Leicester. And Riyad Mahrez left for Manchester City at £68 million, which leaves the only key remaining player... I mean, besides Schmeichel, but there's still rumors about him. Uh, to remain at Leicester from the magical run a few seasons ago is Jamie Vardy. Um, I like the Pereira signing. I think Evans is is a solid center back that they can rely on. I like James Madison. I watched some of his tape. The kid has talent. Danny Ward is a suitable keeper in my mind, but they haven't replaced Mares. They didn't go out and make that kind of a signing, and that worries me. Well... Okay, so I, I guess yeah, you could agree with that. They didn't go out and they didn't get like a high profile signing to replace him. I thought they would have. I'm gone not even for, talking necessarily a high profile. I'm yeah, well, about... I'm about to follow that up with who I think they're relying on to replace him. But I, I was going to say, I think they should have been a bit more uh, aggressive in the pursuit of someone like Wilfred Zaha. I think when you have the money they got for Riyad Mahrez, it's you can definitely bid like 50 million for Zaha and just see see what happens, see what they say about it. Um, but it doesn't sound like that was ever really on the table. Uh, but instead, I think they're relying very heavily going into the season on young, inexperienced, unproven players in the form of James Madison and Damari Gray. Damari Gray especially, they've really put a lot of responsibility on him in preseason. He's played pretty well, obviously, against lesser opposition and not as high-pressure situations. But I think between those two players in Madison and Gray, I think there's definitely something there. Like I, I, I think it's not exactly guaranteed that they both play really well right off the bat. But I think it's fair to assume that one of them is able to sort of assume the creative load of that team and create chances for Jamie Vardy. You know, they are playing with pretty decent players. Also, we kind of forget that, like how much money they invested into their midfield with Adrian Silva, with like Vicente Ibora, and obviously they already have. Uh, What's the midfielder's name? Wilfred Ndidi. 
in a defensive midfield. So the, the, the midfield can sort of take on some of that creative load themselves. So I think it, I think it could work out. I really like James Madison, uh, over the two FA cup games he played against Chelsea last season, where Chelsea eventually won on a penalty shootout. The player that he reminded me most of, I'd have to say was like Deli Ali, just like a very impressive athletic attacking midfielder who just likes to float around and not really have a position and just sort of, uh, jump in and help build up the play and also make little well-timed runs in behind and and get on the end of balls for goal-scoring opportunities. He's, he's a pretty impressive player that, like you said, a lot of very big clubs in England were, were looking at him, including I think Tottenham were looking at him too. So I'm going to give them a uh, C plus just because um, – Losing Mares and not really getting the like for like re- replacement totally is uh, it, it's it, it's not it doesn't it, I think it points more towards them treading water than really building off of uh, anything they accomplished last season. I'm going to give him a B minus, but right in the same right in the same uh, neck of the woods. Let's jump to Liverpool. I got a lot to say here. A lot to say here. Oh, you think? Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, Should I go back? Should I go like go take a piss break or something and come back in a few minutes? I mean, I would. I would because you know I'm just going to talk for the next five minutes. Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've been drinking, so I definitely understand the need if you haven't you know, broken the seal yet. Uh, they started with uh, I'm a camel, baby. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> started with Fabinho, the center defensive midfielder from Monaco for 45 million pounds. Was very excited about that one. Came out of nowhere. This is obviously prior to the World Cup. Uh, that was a big day for me. I really enjoyed that. Nabi Keita, we already knew about, the central midfielder coming in from Red Bull Leipzig for, uh, for £60 million. Jaredin Shakiri signed only a few weeks ago from Stoke City, for, uh, the right winger, for £15 million. Allison Becker, the goalkeeper from AS Roma, the most expensive goalkeeper in world history, for £63 million. Emre Chan left for Juventus on a free because we knew about that a long time ago. Adam Bogdan, who apparently still plays professional football, is on loan at Hibernian. He's the goalkeeper. Harry Wilson, really excited about this Harry Wilson. That was a One Direction reference, by the way. Uh, on loan at Derby. Uh, I like this kid a lot. Very, very high on him. He scored goals. He scored bags of goals for Hull City in the second half of the season last year in the championship. Already capped by the Welsh national team. Danny Ward, the goalkeeper was sold to Leicester and Danny Ings, like we're talking about, potentially getting sold to Crystal Palace for £24 million. But let's talk about the signings. Fabinho is exactly what we need in the base of the midfielder. Uh, a guy who can lay in a tackle, a guy who can pick passes, who can participate in Klopp style. He is has everything to what it takes to actually knock uh, Jordan Henderson out of his starting position, which is what we needed more so than anything. Naby Keita is the best midfielder we've had since Steven Gerrard. Uh, he... Is a box-to-box guy. He's going to lay in a tackle. He's going to be chippy, and he can score a goal. Very excited about him. Are you not counting uh, Coutinho in that uh, consideration for midfielder? Uh, you're talking about like a box-to-box, like pure midfielder. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I'm a, talking like a pure midfielder. midfielder. Yeah, I'm talking in terms of pure midfielder. He's the best. Yeah, he's definitely the best we've had since Gerard. Okay. Um, and Proceed. that's and that's and that's no insult to to the lacks of Wijnaldum and Sean and and oh, uh, yeah, James Milner, but it's just if you haven't watched Nabi Kate to play football, you 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 need to go fix your life right now. I like I highly recommend you going to hitting pause on this podcast, going and pulling up Nabi Kate to highlights on YouTube and enjoying yourself. And if you need to break out the Jurgens and and a, and a Kleenex, you do what you got to oh do. Oh my man. god. 
promoting <laughs> sin on this podcast. What would the Heights think? Hey, man. I'm just here to talk soccer and drink my beer. Uh, getting back to Jared and Shakiri, uh, I really like the signing. It's funny because Shakiri and Salah were linked to Liverpool and like back-to-back windows, and both of them almost happened, and then they didn't happen. Uh, actually, that might have been. Yeah, I think it was back-to-back winter windows. It was the same window that uh, that Salah was went to Chelsea. He was linked to Liverpool, and the, and the window that Shakiri went to Inter was he was also linked to Liverpool. So having both of them, two Basel graduates, quote unquote, will be fun. Uh, but I think what Shakiri truly provides this team is a like-for-like player for the wingers. He's not the same type of player as Mane, and he's as and certainly not as Salah. But, you know, one of the reasons we struggled in the Champions League final, besides just losing Salah and Karius' mistakes, was that we didn't have a top-class winger to come on and retain that same style, and Shakiri is that. He's also shown across his career at both Bayern Munich, Inter, and Stoke, you cannot rely on this kid to be healthy, and it certainly helps that Liverpool aren't because he's going to be a bench player. And then Allison. What do I have to say? You know, we got killed in the Champions League. We've gotten dragged online left and right because of goalkeeping situations. We've been getting dragged left and right for not signing a world-class top-tier goalkeeper. Well, is, you know, one of the highest-rated goalkeepers in Serie A good enough for you? Is the starting goalkeeper for the Brazilian national team good enough for you? Uh, He's a player who will fit right in at Liverpool. He already knows Salah. He already knows Firmino. He definitely knows Fabinho. He's not coming in, and uh, and you know, he's got people to help him break him in to the English game, and he's got Jurgen Norbert Klopp. What more do you need? Is that really uh, his is, middle name, Norbert? Yeah, yeah. That's so cute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a believer, but this is an A plus for me. Uh, actually, no, no. I'll take that back. It's an A. Uh, not getting Nabil Fakir has me a little worried. And I was going. I went on on Twitter about this today. Uh, Daniel Daniel Sturridge could stay. Divac Origi could get sold. Danny Ings is most likely getting sold, which leaves Liverpool's striking options with Solanke and with Rian Brewster, who's seventeen, who I'm very excited about. But I'm not ready to re- to to hand Rian Brewster the keys to the proverbial Liverpool car yet. Yeah, he's and, no Callum Hudson Odoi, but you know he'll get there one day. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. The English, uh, the English U eight teams wouldn't have won the uh, World Cup last year if it wasn't for him. He was. They were fantastic. both on that team. They yeah, were both. They were both amazing. Yeah. They were both very good, and I'm excited for Brewster, but I'm a little worried about the striking position, and that's where this Fakir conversation comes in again. The way Fakir plays as an attacking midfielder is is not identical to to Roberto Firmino, but in a pinch, he could have served in that role. And that's where I'm a little concerned is that they don't really have, you know, they have backups now at the wing position. They have bodies in midfield. They have bodies in defense. I'm a little worried about the striker position, but I'm going to stand by my my A grading here. This is a great window. The midfield is t- going to be totally different. Um, I'm worried about Oxide chamberlain potentially being out for the entire season. That hurts a lot, but it's been a busy summer, and it's been a great summer for Liverpool Football Club. Well, so what's their what's your starting midfield game game one? I mean, here's what I'm going to go because Jordan Henderson and the England team got late back from the preseason because of England's somehow successful run at the FIFA World Cup. Starting midfield is going to be Adam Lallana, Keita, and Fabinho behind the typical the usual front three, uh, and then the back line will most likely be Robertson. Uh, 
Robertson, this Virgil is another Van interesting Dyke. one. Yeah, Robertson, Virgil Van Dyke, potentially Joe Gomez, if not most likely Ragnar Clavin, uh, and then at right back Nathaniel Klein, and you'll have Allison in net on the first day, and that's your starting eleven for Liverpool on. Okay, uh, well, real quick, the center backs. Who partners Van Dyke like ultimately? Is it Lovren or Matip? I think it's Lovren. I think they damn inform, it. Man, Liverpool fans hating Matip recently. My well, cousin's been visiting here from it, England for the last two weeks, and I was having this discussion with him, and he was just like, oh, love for it easily. It's not hate. It's it's also possibly the fact that Matip didn't – Matip has already pulled up with an injury in preseason, and they think it's linked to the injury that kept him out, that same thigh injury that, that ended oh, okay. the same run of last season. I, I also think the form that Lovren had down the stretch the last couple months – And at the World Cup. And at the World Cup kind of cements his place. I, I mean, it's the same, you know, how did Andrew Robertson win the job left back? Alberto Moreno got injured. It's that simple. Sure. You know, av- availability is job security in the Premier League. It's, it's, I'll probably it's, give my, my Liverpool take on the uh, preview pods. So for now, I'll just say I'll give your transfer window an A. All right. Manchester City only notable signing was Riyad Mahrez, the right winger from Leicester for sixty-eight million pounds. We penciled in Jorginho too early. We had a whole pod where we were like, "Oh, Riyad Mahrez and Jorginho are going to City," and then Jorginho just didn't happen. Hindsight is twenty-twenty. Pablo Maffeo from Stuttgart leaves. Leaves for Stuttgart, right back for nine million pounds. Diatore released. Angelino leaves for PSV for seven million pounds. He was a left back. And Angus Gunn, a goalkeeper, leaves for Southampton for £11 million. Signing Mahrez, a lot of depth, gives him another option out wide. Not that they really needed it. They could even move him inside if they need to. Just adding to the plethora of talent at Manchester City. Uh, I agree with you, they need a central midfielder. And the other position I would pick out is uh, left back. Because we saw, yes, Benjamin Mendy is healthy again, but we saw what happened last year. Without him, they still... Surged and won the Premier League, but like I said last year, the goal for Manchester City is not just the Premier League. It should be the Champions League, and that's, in my opinion, where they're lacking. They need they need another left back uh, to truly allow them to continue to compete in that they tournament. May be, they may be ready to trust uh, Sinchenko. That's true. They may be ready to trust him. Fabian Delph wasn't terrible there last year, uh, but I'll give them a B. I think Mares is, is a solid signing. Alex, how do you feel about them? I would say B- minus because I thought Mares was like a foregone conclusion going into this summer. We all knew he was going to sign there. Um, and I think that that's sort of just staying at that base for the duration of the transfer window and not really doing what uh, failures of past have done, which is basically, what is it, the last like 10 years the no team has repeat as champions. And a lot of times you can look to their transfer window and seeing teams sort of be stagnant and not looking to add to what and build off of what they had the previous season. Now, if any can team I counter that, well, yeah, I was going to, I was counter my own argument. You say if any team can afford to sort of stay at the level they're at, it's man city. They obviously just broke the record for points in a 38 game season. Uh, in the premier league is getting a hundred points and scoring more goals than anyone else. So, Adding Riyad Mahrez is a pretty good way to sort of, sort of maintain that standard. I think the other thing too we got to talk about with City is the fact that they're a young team and major parts young, of their yeah. team are a young team. And and you know, t- you talk about development, 
they don't need to buy more because they just need to develop what they have, and they already won the Premier League with what they have. I mean, you look at the look at the wings, and Sterling and Sané are both young players. Gabriel Jesus is a young player. We don't need to go through the lineup. Right, we don't need to go through the lineup. Like, you know the lineup. This is a young team. This is a B grade for, uh, like I said, B grade for me, B minus for you. Let's move to the other side of Manchester to United. Diego Delot comes from Porto, the right back. 22 million. Fred from Shakhtar again, surprisingly, joins Manchester United and not Manchester City. Central midfielder, 60 million pounds from the Ukrainian Giants. And Lee Grant comes from Stoke for 1.7 million pounds. Uh, Michael Carrick retires. They sell Daily Blind to I- back to Ajax for 16 million pounds. Um, if I'm a United fan, I'm not happy right now because I know we need a center back. I know we need a left back because the team hasn't figured out what they're doing with Alex with 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 Shaw. I'm happy, quote unquote, that they're retaining Anthony Martial, but it doesn't help when Jose Mourinho is taking shots at him in the media about him going home to have a child, which you never want to see. Good old uh, Jose. Good old Jose. Um I look at the midfield and I look at the way that Pogba played for the World Cup team and I know that he's not going to be able to play that way for for United. The biggest positive right now I'm walking around as a Manchester United fan is that Alex Alexis Sanchez got a full preseason under Jose Mourinho. That's pretty much the only positive I'm looking at. Yeah, Fred Fred will help, but I think this is a C. Yeah. Oh, wow. I had a C also. Um, Fred is definitely a, a welcome addition. They definitely needed a bit more of that steel in their midfield. It was a bit surprising. I was saying to some friends earlier today, it was a bit surprising that United and Chelsea weren't really linked at all with uh, Raja Nangalan and Arturo Vidal, who are both pretty like well-experienced, uh, uh, battle-hardy center midfielders that uh, Nangalan moved from Roma to Inter for like $25 million, and Vidal moved from Bayern to Barcelona today for like 27 or $28 million. You can't tell me that United wouldn't have been able to use a player like that, uh, like either of those players, to help uh, shore up their midfield. But then the main thing that's sort of uh, hurting their grade is not addressing the defense really at all. Dalot is a project at best. He's 18 or 19 years old, and he'll be ready to play a couple seasons down the line when or when uh, Antonio Valencia steps down. Uh, but everyone knows they needed center backs. They needed to go get someone. Like Harry Maguire has been linked. Uh, Toby Alderweireld from Spurs has been linked, but with a week to go, basically, until they kick off against Leicester, for them to not have a center back, uh, that that really hurts their grades. So I'm going to go see. Yeah, I. This is the third year at Mourinho under Mourinho at United. Every year we, you know, everybody knows third year is usually when he gets ousted. And I look at I look at these signings and I say this he could get fired. Let's go to Newcastle. Let's go up north. Martin Dubrovka comes in from Sparta Prague on a full because he already joined them previously for four million pounds. Keesung Young, central midfielder from Swansea, joins them. Kennedy again. We talked about that earlier on loan. Fabian Shaw from Deportivo La Coruña, the center back for four million pounds. I have a story about him in a minute. Yoshinoro Moto from Mainz, the striker, joins for ten million. Mm-hmm. Mikel Marino leaves for Real Sociedad for twelve million pounds. Uh, Chancel Mbemba leaves for Porto for eight million. Matt Sells leaves for Strasbourg, the goalkeeper for four million, and Mitrovic leaves for twenty. Uh, going back to Fabian Schar, he came through Basel and then was linked to Liverpool. Ended up at Schalke and then at Deportivo, and now ends up at Newcastle. Again, it's funny how life comes at you. Uh, 
again, I wish we saw Rafa Benitez give the money that he deserves. And it's clear he hasn't. Uh, they are heavily linked to Solomon Rondon right now. Uh, but that deal apparently needed to get done before August 1st for it to only be 16 million pounds. And now West Brom wants 25 million pounds for him. So there's rumors that that, might, that that might not get done. 25 is a bit much for sure. Yeah, uh, and I, I mean, and, all their transfers are basically being funded off of the players they've sold, mainly yeah. Mitrovic and Marino. So, Which makes no sense seeing that they earn more than £100 million by staying in the Premier League last season. Well, I mean, like, ask, ask a Newcastle fan how they feel about their owner. Uh, they're I mean, not, they're not happy been, with what he's not really willing to invest into the club. And I mean, the whole thing, too, was that they were supposed to get sold, and then they wanted assurances that they were going to make the Premier League, and then they made the Premier League. They still haven't been sold. It's a fucking nightmare up there. And Newcastle are a historic club in England. Yes, they haven't won a, t- won a trophy since the 60s, but they're still one of the biggest fan bases in the Premier League. And the fact that this is happening, again, is shameful. But it's not my club, so I really don't give a shit. Uh, but what do you think about some of the players that they brought in? I think some of them are actually pretty good. Yeah, they've they've done well to make a um, make something out of nothing, really, out of a bad situation. As you, as I said, the the players they sold, they generated about forty million that they could uh, go out and try and make some bargain deals from. Uh, getting Kennedy back on a loan is very good. He was obviously very important for them down the stretch. Uh, and as a Chelsea fan, I'm happy that he's going back there. Um, Shar, as you mentioned, that's a pretty good deal for uh, to get to activate his release clause and uh, get a very good, experienced uh, international defender like him into your team. Uh, and then Kisung Young on a free; he's been in the Premier League for Swansea for a good few years now. Uh, and then the the player who's got a lot of pressure on him is Yoshinori Muto from uh, from Mines. They literally just signed maybe yesterday after getting him a visa. He's uh, they spent ten million on him. He's I think 25 or 26 and he's coming off a good performance for Japan, but not really a very like clinical one. So he's going to have to prove himself as a goal scorer to uh, maintain his spot in the, in the starting 11 because, you know, they they don't really have great options other than him, but Benitez has shown he's not afraid to play the likes of uh, Jocelyn or Dwight Gale up top uh, to, to try and get their goals. Um, I was kind of disappointed to see them sell Mikel Marino, actually. They sold him to yeah. Real Sociedad. I, I'm a big fan of his. I thought he could have been a very like useful player for them this season. But I guess uh, Rafa Benitez feels comfortable with Mo Diame and John Joe Shelby in midfield going forward. See how that works out. I'm going to go C-plus in terms of grades. Uh, I'm going to go B-minus. Right, same neighborhood. Southampton brings in Stuart Armstrong, the central midfielder from Celtic, for eight million pounds. Mohamed Alusian, <coughs> wow, Mohamed Elianusi, Elianusi from Basel, the left winger, for eighteen million pounds. Agnes Gunn, a goalkeeper for Man City, for eleven million, and Yannick Vestergaard from Borussia Mönchengladbach for twenty-five million pounds. Uh, Dusan Tadic leaves for eleven million. Uh, Guido Carrillo, <coughs> Guido Carrillo leaves for Leganes. Sofian Buffal leaves for Celta Vigo, and Jordi Classy goes to Feyenoord. All three of those are loan deals. The player from Basel, I have heard a fair amount about. Uh, he's supposed to be highly rated and might be a little bit of a player. Um, they did need a center back after obviously losing Virgil van Dijk, 
But this is not enough investment for yeah. for, for for Southampton in my mind. I just don't see good enough players, you know, and it could be proven wrong. But I think it also might be um, my my lack of faith in Mark Hughes as a manager that really doesn't really inspire me with these signings. Yannick Vestergaard, uh, I'm a little familiar with him from Andreas Christensen's time at Borussia Mönchengladbach, and they're both uh, Danish center backs, so they were played a lot together. Uh, at Mönchengladbach, he's just a very big, I uh, think, Paramurtasacker style defender. Very good positioning himself, but really lacks pace. So you would, would wouldn't be surprised to see them get torn up on the counter a good few times next season. Angus Gunn from Man City was a pretty good goalkeeper in the Championship the last season, couple seasons for Norwich. I, I think that's like a nice, uh, a nice, uh, what do you call it? bet you know just to throw like a decent amount of exchange 11 million on a goalkeeper a relatively young goalkeeper and see if it pays off but at the end of the day they still don't have a consistent striker which has been the the criticism of Southampton for the last few seasons now and I, I think all signs point to another relegation fight to be honest and for Mark Hughes to be out by like January well I'll, I'll take that bet let's let's go throw a fiber on that yeah I'm gonna go see uh, C minus for me. We can skip Tottenham and just go straight to their uh, their preview, right? <laughs> Since they've yeah, done I mean, nothing, <laughs> they've done absolutely nothing. Uh, which they've got is a couple shocking. players rumored to be leaving, and they haven't quite left yet, which is surprising. Yeah, uh, out so far. Keenan Bennett is going to Mush- uh, Bruce mentioned Gladbach. Toby Alderweireld's future is questionable. Danny Rose's future is questionable, and Musa Dembele's future is also questionable. Uh, and frankly, everything at Tottenham right now is questionable, but they have kept Harry Kane, which is good. Generally want to see that. Signed him to an extension. They have kept Christian Eriksen, also good. Generally want to see that. Um, but not making any new signings for a team that couldn't win the league last year, uh, when Liverpool are going to do their business and Manchester City is adding Riyad Mahrez is not going to help Tottenham. And right, you got to do something. You got to do something. I mean, we've been critical of this team for a long time. I I know what the last word actually I do have a Tottenham story for you in a moment. Uh we all know what the last words on this podcast pilot episode were. I stand by those words, but really if I'm a Tottenham fan, I'm a little worried here. Uh don't don't come at me with this well, Lamella's is healthy. He's like a new signing. That's bullshit. We all know that. Uh, go sign Zaha. Go, go get. There are uh, players available on the market. Um, they could have gone for Harry, Shakiri. Yeah, they could have gone for Shakiri. We all know that Harry Kane isn't going to score. Start scoring till September. That's three <laughs> games that you you could potentially not score in, and that's never good. I'm just going off scientific fact here. Harry Kane doesn't score goals in, in, in August. It's 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 just fact. I wouldn't quite call it a scientific fact. I'd call it a statistical fact. <laughs> Science, statistics. It's all the same. It's all the same yeah, jargon. It's, it's all the same bullshit. Uh, but yeah, going back to because there's no players to talk about with Tottenham. Let me tell you a story about how the time. Uh, so it was a couple weeks ago. It was before the World Cup final. I matched with a Tottenham fan on Bumble, and we're talking about England and everything and blah 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 and. I don't even know if I plugged the pod. Um, I really should have kind of fucked up by not doing that. But uh, I was like thinking to myself, it's like, 
can I really go on a date with a Tottenham fan? <laughs> and I honestly thought about it. I was like, I don't think I can do this. I was like, like, she's a cute girl, but like, it's not worth it. It wasn't worth it. Like, it wasn't worth it. Like, I will say, I, I don't think I would let something like that stop me from going out with someone. I think I would do it because I think it would be awesome to just date someone who has, was as like, even if not, they weren't like as entrenched in it as like you were, it'd still be cool to be like, oh, it's Tottenham versus Liverpool today. Uh, we're going to fight to see which kids support which teams and we're going to try and win them right. over. I get that. <laughs> I'm really I going down that. the line here. <laughs> I'm really going I get far that. down the line. Yeah, like, I'm looking forward I'm to t- like wife and babies and shit like that. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm not looking forward to either of those things right now. But yeah, I, I just, I mean, it was borderline for Tottenham. I couldn't do United. I could, I, I definitely couldn't t- date a United fan. Like that's that, that's like a hard no. That's like a zero no chance. Um, the Tottenham was like, eh. just, they're, just, they're, they're they non-threatening. Like, you know, they haven't won anything. It, it, it's like that's it's, fair. It's fair. It was non-threatening, but they're, they're just, just cute. It's cute little Tottenham. You know. <laughs> That was yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's just like Tottenham seasons here. Like them not losing those pieces is good, but it's not enough to captivate me. I'm I'm gonna go F on grading here. By the way, bringing it back to the actual team. I'm gonna I, go. I'm gonna go D because they re-signed Harry Kane and Deli Alley. That's the, that's pretty good to be honest. Oh, by the way, I was going through like old notes because we've been doing this for three years, and I found a page in my notebook that just said "fuck Dally Alley." I'm not really sure what it's from or why. Why I, it's there, I could probably I, think of a few examples, <laughs> but I stand by it being there. I'll tell. I'll say that. Uh, all right, let's jump to Watford, who sign Gerard Dulafeu, who continues to just go everywhere. Um, for the right winger from Barcelona. Um, they signed Mark Navarro, the right back from Espanol, for two million pounds. They signed Adam Messina from Bologna, the left back, for five million pounds. Ken Sema from Usterans for, le- for the left midfielder for two million pounds. They bring in Ben uh, Ben Foster from West Brom, the goalkeeper, undisclosed. Uh, uh, Castel Pantalamon leaves for Nottingham Forest. Mario Zarate goes to Boca Juniors for two million pounds. For Charleston, obviously leaves for for Everton for forty. Uh, Nordin Amrabat. Goes to Al Nasir for eight and a half million pounds, and Jerome Sinclair leaves for Sunderland on loan. Former Liverpool player, um, Jared Dulafeu is not an upgrade on Richarlison. He might be a little bit better. Right well, they, now, they play but... different. They play different positions. Delfeu, yes, they were utilizing Delafeu on the right last season, and Richarlison yeah. like exclusively on the left. Right, um, but. I look at the signings and I say this is not a squad that has me jazzed at all. I'm zero percent jazzed about Watford right now, and I think without another signing, we're talking about a team that, you know, we saw them get off to a good start last year, and that helped them. They kind of collapsed in the second half. Um, they're not getting off to a good start with this team. They might not, but you know, they followed a similar path every single season for the what like the last three seasons and they usually are okay they usually are able to maintain like a consistent enough pace early on the season where they can sort of go through small bad runs in the second half and still sort of piece together enough points to keep their safety um and they keep giving they've had a new manager now for what like each of the last like four seasons it was uh javi kiros uh, a few seasons ago then it was walter walter mazari then it was 
uh, Marco Silva, and now it's, uh, what's his name, Javi Gracia, who they brought in mid-season last year. And each of those managers, they've given them maybe not like a ton of money to go spend, but they go out and they get their players to help imprint their style of play on the squad. And I think what these signings say to me is that Javi Gracia is going to be looking to play a sort of very compact, tight midfield and defense while asking a lot of his wing backs to get forward and help in uh, in attack, where he already has the likes of Kiko Femenia right back and um, God, the other the other players just escape me at the minute. But they have they already have a good amount of options at the wing back roles, and they bring in two more uh, fullbacks in Mark Navarro and Adam Messina to help sort of add to that. So they can rotate those positions and sort of maintain that same level of work rate from those positions. So, you know, it, it, it might pay off. Uh, Rick Charleston's going to be a big player to replace in terms of his attacking and creative output. But I think with like Will Hughes, the midfielder they signed last season, sort of making an, an, another step forward and Nathaniel Chalaba coming back from that long-term injury he suffered last oh, that's season. Right. They've that's got, right. They've, they've got enough players in midfield to, I think, help uh, get the right balance of defense and offense. I'm gonna go. Would, I'm gonna say C for their for their grade, though. That's where I'm at too. Uh, let's talk West Ham here. In Ryan Fredericks from Fulham, right back on uh, for free. Isa Dupe from Toulouse, center back comes in for 25 million pounds. Uh, Lucas Fabianski comes from Swansea for eight million pounds. Jack Wilshire comes from Arsenal for free. Andre Yarmolenko, the right winger from Dortmund, comes in for twenty million pounds. Fabian Balbuena comes in from Corinthians, a center back for four million pounds. And Felipe Anderson, a right winger for Lazio, comes in for thirty-eight million pounds. They release James Collins and Patrice Evra. Reese Burke goes to Hull for to uh on center the uh, center back for 1.7 million and chick kuyate leaves for 10 million i like a lot of this business um fredericks is an okay player should slot in it right back uh new center backs and dupe and balbuena love the armalenko signing he's gonna fit in on that right wing and might not necessarily need a start and then felipe anderson is a player who we've seen long link to the premier league uh he can be a little cheeky and uh tricky but I'm worried about his physicality and his health, but keeping Lanzini, who a lot of teams like, apparently, was good, and adding Jack Wilshere well, actually... He, he, Lanzini got that really big injury right before the World Cup, so he's going to miss a big chunk of the season. So that's, I think that's, that's why you see them get uh, uh, Philippe Anderson at all, because they obviously they signed Andre Yamalenko a little bit earlier in the window, and he's a, a right winger who looks to cut in on his left foot. Now they get... Uh, Felipe Anderson, who's a right winger who tends to usually favor his right foot and play a little bit uh, more out on the wing. You wonder now how they're going to make those two players fit in the team along with uh, with Ar- Arnatovic already. So there's there's a lot of attacking power here, and it's definitely a step forward to be able to play the the kind of style that uh, Pellegrini is going to want to play. Um, but you know, you don't. Think, I don't think they made really enough signings at the back, and enough, enough really, really like experienced signings at the back. Because Issa Jop is very young, talented center back, but there's no guarantee he's going to be able to play at a high level right away. Lucas Fabianski is a pretty good signing for for a goalkeeper when you consider Allison going for sixty odd million. Getting him at eight is a pretty pretty good uh, step up from the likes of like Adrian last season. So. 
Um, and Joe Hart. And Joe Hart. And Joe Hart, yeah, exactly. So I saw Joe Hart playing for Manchester City in a preseason match the other day, and I actually laughed out loud. Like, I, I, I actually laughed out loud. Yeah, not great. It was good. I, right. I think there was one more signing that West Ham announced today. Give me one second to look that up. Yeah, right. They got this player, Xander uh, Zan- Silva, from uh, Vitoria Grimaris from, uh, in Brazil. Oh, I know so much about him. I know nothing, but you know, I think he's like he's a Richarlison type kind of signing, like a very talented, like young player from Brazil who's like ready to make a move to the Premier League. He's just looking for a club that's willing to sort of take the risk on him. So, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll come back to come back to him on their uh, Premier League preview. I will say, I think this is good business by West Ham. Some exciting pieces, maybe not all the pieces that they need, but some exciting pieces nonetheless. I think uh, for what really matters, they're going to be a better play in FIFA this year for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, getting Jack Wilshere is going to be like getting Jorginho for them in terms of the quality he's going to bring in midfield where you'll finally be able to play in possession with West Ham this season. Absolutely. I mean, he helps. I, I think they're. I think they're attacking three. Will be a very big hipster pick for FIFA because you can. You can't. I've done, I've played with Felipe Anderson on the left. He's it's doable. Uh, you play Felipe Anderson on the right. Yarmolenko on the on the or Felipe Anderson on the left. Yarmolenko on the right, and then down the middle with Arnautovic. Um, exactly. That's it's pretty that's, nice. It's pretty nice, at least for FIFA. Whether it works in real yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. That's the next. Question. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go a minus though. I'm going to say B. All right. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. A lot to talk about. Yeah. Coming back to the Premier League for the first time in a a while here. Diego Jota comes from Atletico Madrid. He had been there on loan. Left winger, 14 million pounds. Willy Boli comes from Porto. Center back, 12 million pounds. Notice the Portuguese influence here. Raul Jimenez comes from Benfica on loan, the Mexican striker. Uh, Rui, Roy Patricio, sporting Lisbon goalkeeper, hero at the uh, the Euros a couple years ago, comes in on a free. Leo Bonatini from Al Hilal, the center forward, comes in for four million pounds. Ruben Venegra from Monaco, left back, undisclosed. Paulo Alves, a youth player from Liverpool, comes in on a free. Honestly, I don't know jack shit about that kid, which means can't mean much good. Uh, Jao Moutinho comes from Monaco, a central midfielder, for £5 million. Johnny Castro, Otto, from Atletico Madrid, a left back on loan. Uh, they sold Benekafobe to Stoke for £13 million. Ben Marshall comes uh, leaves for Norwich, £1.7 million. Yeah, they're, they're uh, outgoing players for all kinds yeah, of... Yeah, you, probably, you guys probably don't know them. Uh Diego Jota was very good for them last year in the in the championship. I like the Raul Jimenez uh, uh, signing. I think he might actually be able to score some goals for them. I don't think he'll be a starter, but I, I like that one. I love the Jao Moutinho signing. I'm a big Jao Moutinho guy. Excited to see him in the Premier League. Um, and they kept Ruben Neves, which is, I think, a big thing for them too. And there's some pieces around this team. I think this Wolves team could finish as high as seventh. Wow, that's a lot of love for wolves. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a it's a mildly warm take to say the least. I, I would, I, I think, I think we're in the hot waters, Alex. I think, I think that is a hot, hot take. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm going to stick purely to the transfers. Um, and yeah, you can't deny they they improved drastically. You always knew that once uh, they were already getting good players when they were down in the championship, starting that project with uh, Jorge Mendes. So. Obviously, once the team secured Premier League status so convincingly, winning the championship by head and shoulders ahead of everyone else, uh, 
you, you had to, you had to believe the ownership would take the next step in, in believing in, uh, God, the manager's name escapes me at the minute, but he's another Portuguese, uh, manager who used to manage at Porto and I think Valencia. Nuno Espirito Santo. Nuno Espirito Santo. That's it. They've, they've made great strides and they've, they've, done very well in the 3-4-3 that he's uh, established there. So you wonder out of these signings who really is added to that mix. And I think Diego Jota, obviously, as you said, he will sort of maintain that left-wing spot as a goal-scoring threat from there. Willie Boley will be introduced to their back line. Uh, Patricio, obviously, is an, in world, probably the most talented player that they signed uh, in this window and the most uh, accomplished uh, Napoli were in for him supposedly, and he chose Wolves over Napoli. So that's it says a lot. Um, and then I think finally uh, finding a limited role for Jean Moutinho. I know you like him. I think at this point, physically, he's a bit. It's a bit late for him to come to the Premier League. A bit I, long in the tooth, right? He might be a player that you sort of bring on in a Cesc Fabregas kind of role in Antonio Conte's three four three. He comes in at the end of the game when you're up one or. 1-0 or 2-1 or something and just helps you keep a hold of the ball and maybe spring a few counterattacks with uh, like well-timed passes in behind. So that's a nice signing. Um, I think they're going to be very much the Brighton of this of this uh, promotion where they'll be the consistently the best, but they'll go through one or two uh, bad spells in their season and sort of end up in 12th or 11th. I'm gonna. We'll talk about the where they finish in the table a little yeah. bit later. I mean, you're the one but, who said seventh. Come on, I had to I had to come back and. Answer I still. That. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stand by that, but that's fine. I'm gonna go with a with an A grade. How about yourself? I'm going. Uh, yeah, I'm going A minus. All right, that wraps up the third annual Ghost Gold Pod Transfer Window Review. I want to thank you all for listening to the last hour and twenty minutes. It means a lot to us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to us talk for the last two seasons. Um, follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. Lo- subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on anywhere that you can for podcast stuff. Rate, review. Please help us out. Send us to your friends. You all know that you've got friends who are going to watch the Premier League more now because they watched the World Cup and they enjoyed it. Send us our podcast. We're not here. Just be. We don't care if... You're an old fan or a new fan. We're here. F- we're here to talk some football. We're here to talk some banter. We're here to have some fun. Uh, so follow us at Andrew Passaro, at ASMOS92, at Ghost Gold Pod. And until next time, see you.